Oh, that's where, that's where we're going. That's where we're going. Today is Friday, January 29th, 2021, time for episode 136 of the Barnhart Podcast. And it's the return of the Financial Friday. Hooray! The best the best theme music in all of podcastedom. <laughs> I kind of like it, yeah. And yeah, of course, it, it's we haven't done one of these in quite a while, This is and this is also the first podcast since the inauguration, and uh-huh. um, so... You know, there's we could we could talk about we could stop for a game or talk about GameStop. Um, AMC mm-hmm. isn't open. We can't watch movies. Let's see. I have a Nokia phone sitting over here. Not you a BlackBerry. Not, not a BlackBerry. I have a Nokia. No, see, no, there's there's a combination of what I'm going for here. GameStop, AMC, Nokia. All three of these were stocks that um, kind of got attacked by Robinhood and other people from Reddit. Um, and do you want to kind of summarize this? Because I think even though I've, I've kind of watched a little bit about this, uh, I think you're probably a little more versed to give a, a rundown summary and explanation. Yeah, I mean, I, I understand what they're doing and it's convoluted. Uh, the, the bottom line is, is what I didn't understand in all of this from the beginning is what exactly Robinhood was and what this business model was, because this is just no longer in my wheelhouse trading or anything like that. So Robinhood, and there are several other firms that are that are basically the same setup, totally commission-free trading is how they market this to people. And so people, you know, say, oh man, I'm going to do all my stock trading through Robinhood and there's no commission and it's awesome. And and I don't have to pay for this product. And I'm like, sweetie, if you are using a product and you don't have to pay for it, that means you yourself are the product. And that's exactly what the deal is with this. Robinhood gets all of the all of the great unwashed masses, the teeming thralls, the plebs, to open their accounts and do their trading through Robinhood. And then guess how Robinhood makes their money? They sell all of that data and all of that information to the multi-multi, yeah, to to Facebook and to um, all of these hedge funds. This is the most, I I mean, when I read this and first realized what this thing was, this is the most spectacularly illegal, unbelievably lawless thing I've ever seen. Robinhood is taking all of their customer order entry data, where all their stop losses are, where all their good till canceled orders are, all of this stuff, and they're giving it to the hedge funds. And the hedge funds are using that information. The hedge funds pay Robinhood for for this data, for this information, and then the hedge funds use it to front run all of the 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 great unwashed who have all of their accounts and all their orders in with these free brokerage houses. I mean, just just the fact that this thing exists at all is unbelievable. Okay, but then the situation with all with the short squeeze and all of this. But wait, okay. there's more, right? But but wait, there's more and it gets worse. Um I guess you could just go watch Trading Places if you want to see. <laughs> but you know, Trading Places is notorious. That's the movie um from like 82 with Dan Aykroyd and Eddie Murphy and it's I think the only movie that's ever been made about the my old business, the open outcry futures markets in Chicago. Um and you know, if you 
if you were in that business, it's a really fun movie to watch. It's notorious, though, for a lot of people not understanding the plot. I mean, watch it over and over and over again, and they still never get what what's going on. And the reason I think people don't understand what's going on is because most people who are normal and who are like morally sane do not intrinsically just off the top of their head understand what short selling is, what naked short selling is. Naked short selling is when you sell something that you don't have in the market. You take you sell, you take a position that is short that will make you money if the price drops. But and that's the initiation of the position. That's your that's your opening position, selling something that you do not have. Um, and by the way, just to get to get it um, out of the way, because I know a lot of people who are listening to this are probably wondering. Yes, when I am Grand Duchess of whatever it's called that I'm going to be Grand Duchess of, obviously um, naked shorting is going to be totally, totally illegal. And oh, by the way, all trading will be open outcry. And um, margin requirements, we're going to have to have some some very intense conversations about margin requirements. But back to the point, naked shorting is when you sell something speculatively that you do not own. So no, the, these, these billionaire um, hedge funds, they don't have any of the stock of GameStop or BlackBerry or Nokia or whoever it is that they're going after. They go into the market and they establish, they just sell, sell put in sell orders and sell, 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 sell. They're selling short because they don't have it. They're not, they're not selling stock that they already own. They're not long. They're just starting from scratch, short selling. And apparently you, say, you can short sell more than 100% of the available stock. Oh, yeah, that's where, that's where we're going. That's where we're going. So you say, okay, Anne, what, what, what do they have to do then? Because these aren't futures markets. These are just the stock markets. Um, and futures markets, when you short sell, you know, every contract comes to an end. There's an expiration date. And you have to either unwind out of your futures position or... Um, if you sold something, then you have to deliver. Uh, there's delivery. And you could get caught up in, in having the financial obligation of physically delivering cattle or physically delivering corn or physically de delivering crude oil. With stocks, it's, it's none of that. So what they all have to do is they have to all go out and borrow shares from other people. And so the thought process is if you make more by the market going down while you're short, then it costs you to go rent, literally rent the shares from somebody else. If that's profitable, then you should go ahead and do it. Okay. So these companies, as Super Nerd just said, again, mind-blowing lawlessness. These, these hedge funds, the open interest showed that they were short-sold more than the total float of the stock. They, they had short sold more shares than even existed in the world. And I think the highest number I saw was 140%. And not not only were they short selling, but uh, Melvin Capital was the big one who had the biggest um, downside exposure on the short on the short squeeze. But they were also notorious funders of all the anti-Trump liberals on the Democratic side. So the idea that this was some kind of um, revenge of the Trump patriots organized on Reddit, oh, no. uh -huh. I I suspect, and maybe maybe I'm getting ahead of you. I kind of suspect that 
There are a couple of other hedge funds who seized on the opportunity to maybe uh, kneecap some of their competition. Right. And this, this is everybody. And I think that's, that's why they're so terrified is that it's everybody on the political left, on the political right. Everybody's just had it with these SOBs. Okay. So they've, they've decided that they are just going to absolutely totally destroy these companies. They're going to just short them and short them and short them and short them until it's basic, until the stock goes to zero and the companies are completely destroyed. Well, all like we just said, all these other people on the other side of this, all the Redditors and all these nerds, these, you know, autistic, a lot of them are gamers and that's why the interest and that's why GameStop got, got their attention because a lot of these people are gamers. A lot of them are on the autism spectrum. And, um, as the old man who taught me the cattle business, he was the poster child of this man. When those autistic people focus on something, and put their mind on something, they are, they're just relentless. It's like, you know, an alligator's jaws snapping shut, man. You're not, you're not reopening that. It's, it's just incredible. And so they, they looked at this, they studied this, they figured out what was going on and they said, all right, here's what we're going to do. We're just going to start buying and buying and buying and buying. Now, all of the hedge funds, I don't even know the price that that they're short at. I'm just going to, I'm making this up. Let's say the hedge funds are short GameStop. They've sold it at an average price of, I don't know, $35 a share. Okay. And their objective is just to bleed it all the way down to zero, sell it at 35, and then eventually it goes to zero and they close out, they close out their short position at zero by buying to offset. Um, okay all the nerds stepped in and said, okay, what we all need to do is we just all need to get together. We need to take all of this 401k money that we all have and all these self-directed accounts that we have because we're a bunch of autistic nerds and we work and we make good money as IT programmers. And we've been working, a lot of them have been working steadily with six-figure incomes for decades. And they're autistic nerds, so they don't spend a lot of money. They're, that's very typical that um, those types of guys, they're just not big spenders. Uh, a lot of them are tight. They're miserly. And they've got a, they're just sitting on boatloads of cash. And so they say, all right, we're all going to get together, and we're just going to start buying this stuff. Okay, so they start putting in these orders, and they're, they're pushing the market up, 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 up. And so now, you know, the hedge funds look around, and there's all of this buy paper coming into the market and paper is a euphemism because of course there is no paper anything anymore all this buy paper is just flowing into the market the price is going up um they've already the the hedge funds have already leveraged the thing as hard as they can they've already shorted a hundred percent of the entire float they're so now um now they turn around and they look and crap, now the price is 50 bucks a share and the hedge funds are short at 35 with massive positions, the, uh, 140% of the entire flow to the company, billions of dollars being lost. And then they look and it's $100 a share. And then they look again, it's $150 a share. What's the highest it got for something like 450? That's what I was just pulling up. It was, it was 475, if I'm not mistaken. It, it was, yeah. it was getting with to be within reason that could hit 500 the market close today is 328 and i'm looking at the five day if i can pull it up on yahoo finance here it started the week at uh 28 
No, wait, wait. No, that's not right. And start of the week at... Come on, mouse. Get over where I want you to. Um, 93. So it was, it was under 100. Mm-hmm. And, and it spiked up initially on, on Monday. But the real takeoff was uh, Wednesday. It, it uh, had closed at 150 the day before and opened in the 330s the next day. And that's when it just went completely all over the place with in terms of volatility. Right. So now they're in a they're in a pissing match, okay? It's who can who can keep this up the longest. None of them have any uh, I mean GameStop is almost I don't want to say that, that GameStop the company is irrelevant, but I mean it's it's not even about GameStop the company anymore. This is something this is turned into this is turned into something that is going to speak to the ability of the equity markets to even exist. I mean, this this is enormous. So all well, of these hedge. Go ahead. I was going to say, based on some of the rules on the books right now for the way the the financial markets work, that might not be a bad thing. And and um, mm-hmm. I'm sure we're going to get to the point here where people couldn't sell, uh, or no, they couldn't buy uh, GameStop GameStop yeah. stock. Blah. I'm gonna say that five times fast. GameStop stock, and mm-hmm. I did not understand that until I saw a video that um, Lewis Rossman, our buddy, um, he played on his video and commented as he went in Lewis's colorful language. Uh, I'll, I'll put a link to the to the video he referenced, not his. Maybe I'll put both. Anyway, it finally made sense what's going on here, and it has to do with all this leverage going on in the background, right. and what should the margin requirements be. Yep. I'm, I'm getting ahead. I, I should just put the goggles on and let you go. <laughs> well, make sure I, but make sure I get to all that. Don't let me, don't let me skip anything. Okay. So imagine you're the hedge funds. You're short. You've got this position. Um, you, ha- you have two choices. You can either fund the margin call or collateral call. I think it's, um, they're usually called collateral calls when you're talking about um, equity markets like this, but you can call it a margin call too. Um, they either have to fund this, and we're talking about billions of dollars that they have to post, or they blow out of their position. So let's, my, my example was they had, they had shorted it at 35. Again, I don't know if that's right or not. They shorted it at 35. It's now at 350. So in order to get out of their naked short position, the off, the offsetting transaction there is that you have to buy. Okay. So to, to get out and to close out their, their position so they're no longer exposed to this infinite Infinite upside risk. That, and that's another thing that's very interesting about shorting any market. Your risk is infinite because you've bet that the market can go down, in th- that the market is going to go down is your bet. In theory, the price is has a floor at zero. So your risk is defined, or excuse me, your, your potential uh, benefit is, is defined the moment you put on a short position because there's a there's, as we used to say when I was a futures broker, there's very strong support at zero. So that's the most you can make if you're short. Unless you're trading oil. Yes, because that that did go negative, and that was like a, another huge, huge red flag. Get the hell out of everything. Ugh. Anyway, okay, so now um, if the market's going up, it can go up in theory infinitely. So there's no end 
to to the um, the upside risk if you're if you're short, which the hedge funds are getting a very brutal lesson in that they're. I mean, if you would have told them that a bunch of um, autistic nerds could pool their money and drive um, any stock to you know, three to, or GameStop to 350, 450, 475, they would have, they would have laughed at you and told you that's simply not possible. And guess what? We've all just had proven to well, all of us. The nerd said, possible. the nerd said, hold my jolt cola. Yep. That's right. Yep. And they said, watch us do it. And it's the fact that they did it and are doing it and were able to do it. That's the terror. So now we get into the corruption, which is totally, totally shades of MF Global and why I walked away. And, you know, don't want to don't want to toot my own horn. But over the past decade, lots and lots of people have said about Barnhart. She's crazy. She walked away from an entire career. She could have she could have done absolutely incredible things. She was just getting started. How old was I when I quit? I was 30. I had just turned 35. I had just turned 35. Yeah. Because, um, Corzine stole the money on the 27th of October and that's my birthday. Um, so that was, that was my interesting little birthday present, even though I didn't clear through MF global, but it was, I knew immediately that, oh, this is, this is this is a, a deal breaker here. What's going on? So anyway, shades of all of that. That's why I reposted the why I'm quitting and why I'm shutting down Barnhart Capital Management. That's why I reposted that letter because it's basically the same thing. It's the lawlessness and the corruption. So these companies, these brokerage houses, and all, and with the collusion, let me just let me just tell you the end of the story right now with the full cooperation and collusion of the SEC, NASDAQ, I mean, who, whoever you want to, to cite as a government regulatory agency or as, a, um, as, the, as the central exchange, as the guaranteed counterparty, da-da-da-da-da, they're all in on it. They're all totally in on it. Mark my words. They told all the nerds, you, you aren't allowed to buy anymore. We're, we're cutting you off. You are not permitted to buy um, shares of these different stocks. You can sell, but you can't buy. We're cutting off all buying. Now, let's, let's stop and think about this. <laughs> the, the nerds are long, and they're allowed to sell which if they all liquidated their position, that would drive the price down, which would be good for the hedge funds. That would be putting equity back into the account of the hedge funds. Unless, of course, they already vacated all their shorts because they got squeezed. Well, different kind of different concept. Well, yeah, yeah, I see what you're saying. I see what you're saying. But just in order to get the general logistics of this, they tell all the nerds that they can't, that they can't buy anymore. They're banned from buying, but they can sell. Now, here's the question that has to be asked. If the nerds are permitted to sell, but are not permitted to buy, nobody can put in buy orders on the street. Who is the counterparty on the other side 
if the nerds do sell. If the nerd puts in a sell order to sell it $450 a share and, and that order is filled, doesn't that by mathematical definition mean that somebody was on the other side of that and bought? But can they, well, well, but can who, they sell who, at the peak at that point? I mean, if all buying stops and, and somebody wants to then but, sell. But, that's, but that's, that's impossible. That's, that's if all buying cannot stop because if you're executing sells for the nerds, there has to be a buyer on the other side. Who's the buyer? It's the hedge funds. Yeah, but the hedge funds aren't going to be buying at the top of the market. That's what I was going to say. It'd is be blowing is if, out. If, if, if the... If the account providers that that the fee, that the people who were buying say you can't buy anymore, you have your only option is to sell. Well, your option is to hold or to sell. But if you do decide in mass to start selling, but there are no buyers, your market of four fifty becomes three twenty in about a half a second or less. Right. There's no bid because there's no bid. Right. But then. But then, the, but the whole logical premise of the thing is, if if the stock exchange and the um, the brokerage companies, if they say there is a moratorium on buying, nobody can buy, but you can sell. This this mathematically is impossible. They're lying to you because somebody is on the other side of that. And the, and we could get really conspiratorial conspiratorial about who is on the other side of that. Is is it the Federal Reserve? Are that is somebody just going in? Is Janet Yellen or somebody just going in and sitting down at a at a terminal and opening up a spreadsheet and typing one zero 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 enter and whoop. There's liquidity for um, for the brokerage houses and the exchange and the hedge funds. I, we could get very conspiratorial about this. Okay, I mean, so so the video I I sent a link to you it was the Lewis Rossman video, but uh, he he was playing and then commenting on a video that it was an interview with a if I remember correctly it's Webull, mm-hmm. um, it's the CEO of that company, and I guess they handle the the clearing for several different trading houses. And what they were saying is that uh, the underlying like final arbiter of, of clearing, which is DTCC, if I'm not mistaken, or DTC, they said that based on the volatility of GameStop, and then they extended it to several of the stocks, AMC, Nokia, etc., because of the volatility, they're raising the capital requirements or, or the, right. the margin requirements for, for buy orders to 100%. Yep, 100% margin. Which Robinhood, TD Ameritrade, and others cannot support i think schwab was in there as well yep but if it's not an across the board um situation across the whole market so if you were let's say if you had tr- uh, accounts at e-trade and uh, td ameritrade and robin hood and, and let's just say you had accounts at all of them mm-hmm. at, at the point that td ameritrade says you can't buy anymore you could go over to e-trade and start buying or you could go to robin hood until they cut it off and I guess the the thing that I didn't understand is when a trade goes through, it takes like two or three days to clear. And no, oh, no, 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 no. The point about the two or three days is that they're all a bunch of crooks and how they're making enormous amounts of money is that they are holding your money 
Um, and it used to be that all that money went into 90-day T-bills. And remember, up until 2008, 90-day T-bills were at like 5%. This th- That's how... I've told the story before, but because you brought it up, I'll tell it again. When I started Barnhart Capital Management, I had no idea about this. So I go to Chicago and I'm, you know, negotiating the deal with the, with the futures commission market merchant, with the, the clearing firm for, you know, opening my, my office. And they say, okay, so are you good just splitting the interest? I'm like, what are you talking about? It's like, well, you know, we, we, all of the excess customer money that all, um, we invest all that. And are you good at splitting it at the 90 day T-bill rate? And I'm like, ah, so all of my customers money, they don't get the interest on their own money. You and I are going to split it. And they said, yeah, that's how we make all of our money. And that was the first time I realized it. I, I was, I didn't even realize because the office that I worked in for the first eight years of my career, um, the guy who was the office manager, he made mo- most of his income was what was called a management bonus every year. I didn't know what that was. I figured it was a cut of you know everybody's commission in, in the entire office that he was getting like a few percent of everybody's commissions. Had nothing to do with that. He was splitting the the interest. And this is completely standard procedure. I mean, it was nothing specific or shady to him. This is how the industry works. He was splitting the interest on all of the cash that was sitting in all of the accounts in the entire office. And it, that was over, I mean, that office was over $10 million. So think about that. 5% on $10 million and then that split between the clearing firm and the manager of the office. So the manager of the office, the bulk of his income was not from commissions. The bulk of his income was from the interest on the customer funds. And I had no idea about this. So in 2008, if you recall, right at the very, very end of George W. Bush and right as Obama was being elected, interest rates went to zero. Basically, I opened Barnhart Capital Management in on like January 1st, 2006, and T-bill money still had a four in front of it. It was in the fours, like 4.2 or something. And just from my cash that I had to park to have in reserve, I mean, and it, how much was it? It was, it was like a quarter million or something. Just the interest that I made, because when I I would park some of my own cash in an escrow account, and I didn't have to split that interest with the clearing firm. I just they just put it in T bills. It was it was the best money that I could get, and it was completely liquid. So it was way better than having a CD or having money in a bank. And theoretically, it was safer. So you know, I've got a quarter million parked in in an escrow account, and I'm getting like 4.2% or something on it. That was enough. That paid my quote system, my phone bill, and a chunk, and and a and the remainder would have paid a small chunk of the of my rent on my office space. It was, that was a heck of a lot of money. Um, and then interest rates go to zero. All of the brokerage firms completely freak out because they have now lost their um, reliable, low-risk source of income, which is treasury bill money. And so they all start what the brokerage firms and everybody starts doing, and this goes now, we're getting to MF Global. They start engaging in wait, all wait, of I know, this. I know, I know, I know. Pick me. Uh, super nerd, go ahead. Greek sovereign debt. Italian. 
Italian. Oh, yes. that was even worse? Yeah. Uh, well, no, no, no. It was risky, but it had the uh, a veneer of quasi-legitimacy. Yeah, so... Um, John Corzine starts trading, and everybody's doing this. They all start trading credit default swaps and repos and all this stuff because they're, they're, they're desperate to generate some sort of a return on their cash. I mean, they, they've lost basically... I mean, they're making money off commissions. They're making a little bit of money off commission, but they've lost just a ginormous percentage of their, of their revenue stream. So Corzine and all, and Cor, but Corzine's a psychopath. He had MF Global leveraged at one point, hundred to one, um, trading all these really risky instruments. That's now become the new normal. I mean, um, I don't know where ninety-day money is right now, but I think it's one something, maybe or maybe just under one. I don't know. We can look it up. Ninety-day T-bill rate. Um, it's not much. So I don't, they I don't even know where to find the ninety-day T-bill rate. I can tell you about AWS uh, traffic in and out of Rio de Janeiro, but I can't find ninety-day T-bills right now. Just type ninety-day T-bill rate into the search thing on your browser. Um, it is what? That can't be right. Oh my gosh, it's at zero. Yeah. Yep, it was at one and a half up until Corona scam. February 25th, 2020, it was at one and a half. Then it crashed straight down to zero. And it's been going sideways at basically zero or 0.1%. Um, it closed today. They closed today at 0.07%. So it's zero. Okay. 90-day T-bills are at zero again. Um yeah, that, I mean, that makes sense because um, a lot of stuff went negative with the corona scam. Um, yeah, that makes perfect sense. Well, that's okay. not going to pay for a yacht. That's not going to pay for a yacht. Yep, that's not going to pay for hookers and cocaine, you know. you got to do something. So they start doing all this super risky stuff. Um, and so, let's see, where was I going? Where, where was I? Oh, John Corzine, since uh, T-bills weren't an option, he decided to go to Italy. He decided to go to trading super risky stuff on Italian paper. Um, where were we before that? Uh, well, you were just talking about the the reliable income stream was parking all the customer funds in T-bills and just splitting the inter interest on that. Oh, you said, you said something like... Um, what did you say? You 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 said they're 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 making money on or they're making money on commissions or they're making money on something, and I said no 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 no. The, the way that these these people make money is by having um, basically custody and the ability to use and generate a return and revenue off of your customer funds that are sitting in your account. So. Yeah, it's it's the whole thing is just is an absolute disaster. It's an absolute mess. So where where do we need to go to continue on with the story of GameStop? Where are we now? Um, oh, they're having they're having a, a a pissing match. They're having a pissing, or they're playing chicken. That's another way to put it. And the nerds are not backing down. 
they've they're you know they're put, putting on reddit in these chat rooms hold the line hold the line hold the line we're taking them down and the thing is, is that they are and all of these um hedge fund people who a lot of them are not very smart because it's very much um the dirty little secret about like Ivy League schools and the the MBA, the super high dollar expensive MBA programs and all of that, man, people don't go go to Harvard Business School or go to, I don't know, what, what are the big MBA programs like Wharton or something like that, you know, something, some stupid MBA program that costs a hundred grand or more. You're not going there to learn anything has nothing to do with education. They don't teach you anything, it, nothing. What all of that is about is it, it is it's about networking and it's about getting yourself in to the club, basically. Um, and so these guys are, they're not terribly smart. And you can tell that they're not terribly smart by how undisciplined they are, how far they push things, their arrogance, how they think that they are uh, that they are impervious, um, omnipotent, that they they cannot be taken down. Um, you know that's that's the case with with a lot of people, a lot of economists, a lot of political commentators in the context of the United States, and saying, well. I mean, it's absolute lunacy to argue that the United States could collapse. It's lunacy to to ever say that that the dollar will someday cease to be the reserve currency. It's it's just simply not possible. They say you have to be so spectacularly historically illiterate and and lacking in any sort of common sense to even have those words come out of your mouth. Mathematics does not exist to quantify how stupid and illiterate and, and just cocky and dumb you have to be to think that the U S historically speaking is it, it's a flash in the pan, baby. It's a flash in the pan. It's two, what is it? It's 245 years old. That's nothing absolutely nothing. The only thing you can say about the United States and um, its economy and the U.S. dollar is that, and this is a, this sword, man, this sword cuts both ways, man. What does it say on every dollar bill backed by the full faith and credit of the United States government? It should say backed by the full faith and credit of the United States military. Let's be honest. The, the strength of the U.S. dollar is the United States military. And yes, the United States military is the most powerful military force that has ever existed in human history by orders of magnitude. I would say that they're the is, most technologically advanced force. Yes, exactly. They are the most techno. Well, that, I mean, that's obvious. That goes without saying. But the, the ability to destroy and, and wage war in a physical way with with munitions and with with technology okay so let's 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 set the whole faith and credit bit aside for a second Mm. um and i'll put this link in the show notes um there there is a a novel series written by a former navy uh, helicopter pilot it's a fascinating book and it, it deals with china as the enemy and what they do is is china decides it's it's a faction within china uh it's a high ranking i guess communist party member and his idea is that if he can provoke a successful initial strike against the United States, he can get all of China to go in, in on it 
and they could overthrow the whole U.S. and the Western world as as it is. Mm-hmm. And the opening salvos are a massive computer computer virus and a knockout of all of our satellite communication technology. Yeah, rolling us back technologically about a hundred years. Mm-hmm. And when you have all your satcom stuff knocked out all of a sudden, how do you fight a war when you're down to uh, Morse code on on HF as as your means of, of communication? Mm-hmm. Uh, suddenly it's, it's an even playing field, especially when the Chinese communication systems are still up and functioning because they didn't attack their own stuff. Well, I mean, the thing of it is, is that this war has already started. We, we are in World War III right now. The difference is, is that China in, in cahoots with um, the oligarchs, with Soros, Gates, you know the names, you know the players, Bezos, um, and in concert with the deep state in Washington, D.C., and in concert with Brussels and London. They, the, the war, World War III, has already begun. And I don't know if you all have noticed, but we are, the, the West, the United States, um, its sphere of influence, Europe, its entire sphere of influence, language, it's, it's getting its ass kicked in a, in a way and with a severity that has never happened before in human history. Um, you're under house arrest. You can't walk outside without wearing a muzzle over your face. How can you not see and understand that this is war? We are in it right now, and the Chinese are winning. Um, or if you refuse to put on a muzzle, they make you go sit outside. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but you can still be productive while you're out there. It's yes. it it a beautiful photograph. Beautiful photograph. So back, and, back to the – oh, sorry. Go on, go on. Well, I mean, you know, the war has already started. We're in the thick of it. The West is committing suicide. So what's what's the patent quote? Um, war is the, the point of war is not that you get killed; it's that you cause the other guy to go get killed. You know, it's not that you go off to war to get killed; it's that you you cause the other side. The and I think Patton used the term "poor bastard." You cause the other poor bastard on the other side to go off and get killed. Yeah, nobody ever won a war by giving his life for his country. You win your war by win the war by making the other poor bastard give his life for his country. There you go. There you go. And um, we are committing suicide, like enthusiastically. So the Chinese and the oligarchs have implanted a virus, which is essentially this religion of COVIDism. And the entire post-Christian West is, is voluntarily, enthusiastically committing suicide so that, yeah, the, the dollar will collapse, the economy, the economy will collapse, and then when we're just basically all either dead, helpless, desperate, whatever you want to call it, the Chinese will mount a land invasion eventually. And they, they will take North America. They will take um, Europe if they want it. Um, I think what they really want is Africa. I think they just want, I think they essentially want to um, what, what would you call it? Cinefy, uh, make Chinese the entire continent of Africa and just transplant hundreds of millions of people over there and 
kill kill all the black people and just completely take it over and declare it to be the new Chinese empire. I, think I just I just texted want. George W. Bush. He said it's Chineseify, and from what Chineseify, under- yes. From yes. from what I understand, or Chineseificate, he just he, he is not sure. So, <laughs> but what I understand is that the Chinese are already in Africa. They're already building yeah. uh, railroads and and roads and all kinds of infrastructure to get stuff out of the ground and to seaports and back to China. Yep. And you, you, well, eventually, I, th- I I assume that their their plan is eventually is they won't even need to ship it back to China. That that will just be new. That will be new China, and they'll dig all the rare earths out of the ground, and they'll be making iPhones in Africa. And if if any of those poor black people that over there with their IQs in the 70s and 80s, if they think that the Chinese have any intention of any of them surviving and being around for any of that, they are they are sadly, sadly mistaken. The Chinese view human life as, as nothing, and no one is more racist against black people than um, East Asians. Oh, just go look at the, uh, the, the poster for the last Star Wars movie. In the United States and in Western Europe and pretty much everywhere in the world except China, Finn, the black guy, um, I forget the name of the human who plays him, um, he's prominent on, on the poster, especially mm-hmm. in America. But in China, he's shrunk down to almost so small you can't you have to look twice to see him. Yep. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And certainly the Chinese um, would absolutely love to have North America as well. I mean, North America is really a prize. I mean, Africa, Africa, that, you know, there's a bread basket down there in Zimbabwe and that whole Southern hemisphere bread basket down there. That's, that's pretty cool, I guess. Um, and they might get it all without a lot fi- of it is, go ahead. I was gonna say they might get it all without firing a shot too. I mean, if things collapse oh, yeah. here and we took this wild tangent or I kind of provoked it um, off of talking about the national reserve or the, the world reserve currency mm-hmm. and what really backs that isn't the faith and credit of the, of the United States, but it's, it's the guns, the Marines and, and the soldiers that, that yeah. uh, we have in uniform. What if they can't do that anymore? Uh, yeah. The next most powerful military is the Chinese. Now they oh, yeah. may not have, you know, the space force figured out. They may not have the, the, um, the, the amphibious stuff figured out yet, but if it's something where we are imploding over here and they are masters at subterfuge and they can have what, it, okay. So talking about what happened this week with GameStop and whatnot, what if the Chinese are just sitting back biding their time and a bunch of Chinese hedge funds with billions or trillions of dollars are waiting for their moment to step in and, and put their massive thumb on the scale. Well, yeah, seeing exactly. This play out. You're not talking about, taking down a couple of hedge funds you're talking about taking down the entire the the entire thing the entire thing at which point this whole country goes into chaos like you can't imagine that's right and we would be welcoming you know red chinese un people coming in taking over and begging them to come in in the wet on the pacific coast i've said it i've said it for 15 years the Chinese, when the land invasion happens, they will be hailed as peacekeeping liberators. It's enough to make you want to drink. There you go. Well done. That's the second one, man. You're 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 going. Um, but that's that's an absolutely fantastic spot on point. Um, can't be said enough. It's um it's with this thing. What the nerds have proven is that. Um, this is possible. This is doable. It's, it's in fact, fairly easy. And it's, it's not just the Chinese 
government, I suspect. Do you have any idea how many people there are in East Asia, in um, the Indian subcontinent, in Pakistan, people who sit around and day trade and tick trade stocks? The Asians, all the Asians, the slanty-eyed Asians and the, um, and the Middle Eastern Asians and the Indian Asians, they're all sitting there watching this and it's like there's chum in the water and there's a herd of sh- and there's a, what do you even call a group of sharks? There's a group of sharks coming. And I think that all of the hedge funds are realizing that, oh my gosh, if, if a few um, autistic gamer nerds can do this, what happens when everyone else, not just all the Americans who are now, you know, um, out of work, sitting around at home under house arrest with absolutely nothing to do, and they're sitting there tick trading stocks, what happens when people start coordinating in the United States and then people uh, the the UK is under complete lockdown. All those people are under house arrest. Same thing. Europe, you know, various places in Europe are drifting in and out of house arrest. And then you have all of Asia, which is, um, uh, a, I don't know how long it's going to be, but I saw the figures the other day and I was surprised it's coming quickly. India is going to surpass China in terms of population. There's like, yeah, I think China is one point, I don't even know what China is now. 1.4 and India's 1.2 billion um, uh, Pakistanis, all these people, they're all on the internet, man, and they all tick trade and it all they have to do is start coordinating. So, you know, the Pakistani nerds will all get together and, th- and they'll target this, that, and the other. And then, you know, the Indian nerds, <laughs> all billion of them, that they'll start targeting this, that, and the other. And it's, it's just going to be fish in a barrel. And I think that um, Wall Street is is staring down for the first time um, the fact that it is going to end. They they will be destroyed, and the fact of the matter is they have it coming. And I'm not terribly heartbroken about the fact that these people who have done so much existential damage to Western civilization um, that that these people are going down. Um, it's, it's, you can see the workings of, you know, divine providence in the sense that our Lord says when, it, when, when cultures get to a certain point of just total depravity, God has made very clear, and it says it in scripture in numerous places, that he will, he will give us up. That is usually how it is rendered in English. He says, I will give you up. And that means that he's just, he just, steps back and says, if you people want to destroy yourselves, I'm not going to, I'm not going to hold you back. If you want to destroy yourselves, you're, you're going to do it. And it's so poetically perfect that it's not, you know, no one in the ark, he's not flooding the entire planet or anything. All he's doing is he's stepping him back and saying, all right, you people, you've had, I've given you every chance in the world and I've, I've been kind of maneuvering things to bail you out and bail you out and bail you out and give you time to repent, turn it around. And now I'm just, I'm just going to give you up. I'm going to give you up to yourselves and we are committing suicide. We are committing suicide in multiple different ways. We're, we're committing economic suicide. We're uh, committing cultural suicide. I mean, just 
every possible facet and every possible way. And, you know, eventually people are going to be committing actual, actual suicide. I've but said that's that, already happened in the last year. Oh yeah. Oh, the suicide rates are going through the roof. I think that 2021, um, by, by this Christmas, there will be, uh, it, will it be government sponsored? Probably somehow there is going to be marketed, um, uh, euthanasia centers and they're, they're, it's, they're specifically going to be talking to people who are in their forties and fifties who have no retirement or who have been wiped out. And they're going to say to them, look, there is no future for you. All, all the best that can happen to you is that you are going to get old and you are going to die in destitute poverty, possible starvation. There's, there's no coming out of this. Um, you're going to die a, a horrible, painful death of COVID or whatever. Or the and vaccines. They, I'm sorry, quack scenes. Or, or the vaccine or the quack scenes. Exactly. The, you have no future. If, if you want to just throw in the towel and if you want to euthanize yourself, um, we'll actually give, we'll, we'll, we'll do a payout. We'll do like a $50,000 payout or something so that your, your estate can be settled. And if they start offering that, there will be people lined up for miles to commit suicide because that's how far gone, how far gone we are. And so the Chinese are just going to be sitting there watching this. And this is war. This is world war three, except for the first time in human history. Um, one side doesn't even have to shoot at or, or physically fight with the other. All they have to do is set up, set up circumstances whereby a culture will voluntarily kill themselves, literally commit suicide. And then when there's not very many people left or the remaining people are absolutely desperate, then the Chinese will be able to roll in with, with relatively little violence, loss of life, um, expense in terms of loss of um, um, artillery or anything like that. It's, it's going to be... It's going to be the cheapest, just in your head, just like everything else Chinese, it's going to be the cheapest version of war that's ever been fought. Just get everybody to commit suicide. But will it start with the United States or will it start with Europe? And the reason I ask that is that uh, years ago, I read the book by James Rickard called Currency Wars. And he was going through all the theory and, and praxis of why the current currency situation and reserve or fractional reserve banking was, was a problem. But then toward the end of the book, he lays out a thought experiment of how is this all going to come down? And of course, this was all about the time when the uh, sovereign debt crisis was happening in, in Europe. And he, he speculated that, and, and I don't know, maybe he threw darts at the map or what, but he said Spain would be the catalyst for this and Spain would go down and that would create a cascade where all the, the pig countries would, would go uh, basically supernova financially. That'll drag down even uh, the UK and Germany. And so all of Europe would implode. And, and um, because they're no longer buying from China, China has now got an, a cash influx problem. And then the US as an island cannot stand. The whole thing goes down at that point. Well, what he didn't do in that book, and what I was kind of curious about as, as we're talking about this, what are the other possible scenarios? What if it starts in, in New York? What if the Wall Street firms mm -hmm. all go belly up because first it's the autistic gamers who decide we're going to pick out you know what are the the hedge funds that are, are have the most short squeeze exposure that we could 
you know, really you know, stick it to them. I mean, they were talking about Melvin Capital possibly going bankrupt, insolvent completely, and that may not even be, they may not be out of the woods yet. Mm-hmm. But what if the big, the the heavies on Wall Street, what if they all got hammered as well? And it's not, like you said, it's not going to be from the gamers. It could be from actual nation states who decide, Right. I don't know, what if the Saudis say, screw the Americans, we're done with this, we're going to take all of our oil wealth and we're going to go after the Wall Street firms using exactly the same methods that all the gamers did, and we're going to yep. take the whole thing down. We're going to we're going to change our allegiance to China. China, how much oil do you want? Okay, and Just- Putin and Putin. Putin's in here too. I think I think that if Europe were to collapse, remember collapse, governmental collapses in Europe are within living memory. They all they all, most of those places remember like pretty serious governmental collapses and turnovers. Um, so Europeans aren't as, uh, yeah, in a certain sense, they're just, they're just not as vulnerable. And so I think that if, if Europe were to really and truly collapse, I think the vacuum would be filled almost immediately by Moscow. I think that it would, that, you know, the sphere of influence of Moscow would officially just extend and cover and bail out, um, Europe all the way to the Atlantic Ocean. Yeah, but are they that flush with cash and that powerful that they could do that? Um, they're not flush with cash, but they, I think they're willing. I think they're willing to fight, which is, you know, always that's always kind of been the case with them, you know. Yeah, but I think if Russia and China went to war right now, Russia would be would lose and pretty quickly. And I'm no, not talk, I don't, I'm not talking about I nuclear, but no, I don't think Russia would fight with China. I don't think it would be a competition. I think I think that China would just say to Putin, "Go ahead and take it. Go ahead and take Europe, and and we'll do business." Um, but but we get we get North America. The Chinese get North America, and the Chinese get Africa. And I think Putin would take that deal. And the South Americans are sitting around saying, "Hey, wait, why don't you want to conquer us?" Yeah, nobody loves us. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> yes, yeah, p- patting Argentina on the head. Yes, dear. Yes, dear. <laughs> maybe that's the maybe that's the practical takeaway from this segment of the show is move to Panama. Nobody cares. Yeah, well, there's I, truth in that. Well, I think actually, China, China owns the canal zone, but outside of the canal zone, it's just a bunch of mosquitoes. Yeah, and stay, stay away from the canal. Stay. I mean, what, where do all the Americans go? Uh, Costa Rica, I think, don't they? I think there's a bunch of American retirees in Costa Rica. Uh, it's it's actually all over Central America. Costa Rica mm-hmm. is definitely one of them. Belize is another one. Panama is mm-hmm. another popular target. But I think it's yep. all close to the canal zone. I mean, my, my, my only exposure to Panama, exposure really isn't the right word, uh, but my only knowledge of Panama is right through the canal zone. That's where I transited sure. a few times. So. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, so the the consequences of a bunch of autistic nerds um, monkeying around in the stock market is is uh, not something to be taken lightly. And all I can say is, I mean, I never had any regret of any kind ever about closing my brokerage. And now it's just you know, like guys, this this is exactly what I was talking about. This lawlessness, um, this uh, cronyism, um, and you have no legal recourse. There's no one you can sue. There's there's nothing you can do. Um, you're you're just at the mercy of these um, of these oligarchs, basically. 
but now the tables have turned and the nerds have got it, but, but the nerds are going to collapse, are going to collapse the system. And I'm again, reiterating, I'm not broken up about this. It's, um, it needs to happen. It needed to happen. It was inevitable. It's a reckoning one way or the other. I mean, we've, we've had it coming for a long, long time and there was plenty of warning. And the other thing I'm going to do tomorrow, Saturday, I think what I'm going to do tomorrow on the blog is I'm going to put up my huge economics video presentation, which was recorded in November of 2012. And it basically explains why all this is happening, um, the unfunded liabilities, the just the insanity in terms of the markets, and it's it, it dovetails and speaks directly to all of this and explains why this is happening and why um, the, the powers that be have established these three scapegoats, okay? They needed scapegoats because they knew the whole thing, the whole thing was going to come down and they needed to establish totalitarianism. Um, and so they've got three scapegoats. COVID is uh, obviously the big one. Um, you, you've got COVID and you blame all economic collapse on COVID, you know, never mind the fact that you have um, put everyone under martial law and and destroyed like every small business. No, 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 it's not us. It's COVID. Um, Trump is uh, scapegoat number two. He is he is was the scapegoat um, to turn the the government into what it is now, which is I mean they're still. The DC is still completely occupied by troops. They're putting up walls and concertina wire everywhere. Um, you know, Washington DC basically looks like the green zone in Baghdad, um, and it's going to stay that way. So they needed. Uh, oh, and and purges. You know, any any notion that there's going to be any sort of you know freedom of debate or anything like that. They're going. They're going to purge absolutely. Everybody who is anywhere to the right of, of Mao, basically. And it's just going to turn into a communist totalitarian. Um, it's, it's going to be a Soviet. It's going to be a Supreme Soviet. Um, and then the third scapegoat is you. Um, blame, you know, saying that anybody, again, who is anywhere to the right of Mao is a terrorist, is dangerous. The whole false flag of the January 6th thing, that's you. Oh, you the, the are dangerous. The new phrase is DVE, domestic violent extremist. Yeah. Yep. So y you have now been made into the third scapegoat. COVID number one, Trump number two, you're number three. And everything is the fault of one of those things or a combination of those things. And uh, it's not going to go away without collapse and war. Go ahead. Now, I was going to say that um, we've talked about multiple times that the idea that Trump is just kayfabing or was just kayfabing. And, and it's rather convenient don't you think that he's been kicked off of all of his platforms by which he communicated with everybody because it would be a little odd if all of a sudden, once he was no longer president, he just stopped using Twitter or stopped using Facebook and all this other stuff. It looks more plausible if he's kicked off and that's why he doesn't talk anymore as opposed to him just laughing and going and playing golf. 
which I suspect might really be closer to the truth. Okay, so here's a big topic shift. Um, we need to talk about this because this is the first. Um, this is the first show since the fake inauguration, or whatever you want to call it. Um, and we kind of need to just go through and have a debriefing about what has just happened. The first thing I want to say is that I am actually pleasantly surprised that a lot of people have have fairly easily looked at the Trump situation and said, and Q and all of that, and said, okay, we, we got played. And people, people are being actually pretty good about freely admitting that. I'm not getting, here we are, what, nine days after the fake inauguration, and I'm not getting too much in my email box at this point anymore of people saying, you know, trust the plan. Um, <laughs> one email that I got that I, I will, I will cherish forever is that I was, I was assured it, with complete certainty that I am quote, not even a Christian because I did not, um, trust the plan, the Q plan, and that I failed to, um, acknowledge and recognize that Donald Trump was, and I quote, God's anointed. I kid you not. Yeah, there are a few people out there who um, went full cult on the whole thing, and that's what it is. It's a cult. It's a, it's a, it's a it's a species of of um, false religion cult, just as much as as COVIDism or anything else. Um, so yeah, I thought that was funny. I'm not even Christian because I don't recognize that Trump is God's anointed, and don't have faith and trust in the plan. The um, plan I trust is Jesus Christ and the Catholic yeah. Church and salvation through the church. Yes, exactly. <laughs> and everything else is, um, boy, it's, it's sure interesting, but it's not in and of itself. It, it has no ability to keep you out of of the church, and it has no ability in and of itself to keep you out of heaven. Only you can do that. Um, but I'm, I am impressed at that people are really being pretty good about saying, okay, yeah, uh, Trump, yeah, there was no plan. This is all very, very sketchy. And, um, uh, not as many of the, of the thousand yard stairs as I thought it would be. People are actually kind of taking it pretty well. And yep, he got on the chopper just as everybody, as just as I and so many other people said he would, and he left and haven't heard or se- I haven't heard or seen anything out of any of them in now 10 days. Um, the other, th- the other quick point I want to make about Trump, um, the, the guy commuted the sentence of Kwame Kilpatrick on, I think it was the 19th, the afternoon of the 19th when he was doing his pardons and, um, and, and commutations if you don't know who Kwame Kilpatrick is, he was the mayor of Detroit, and he is. If there's anybody who deserves to be to be sitting in jail for a very, very, very long time, it is Kwame Kilpatrick. And I, I cannot figure out. I've thought about this and thought about this and thought about this. What could possibly be an explanation for Trump? commuting this guy's sentence. And I, folks, I can come up with nothing. I can come up with absolutely nothing. Um, so Kanye it, and uh, Kim Kardashian. Kim Kardashian. That's the only I've, thing that comes to mind. Unbelievable. Jo- I mean, 
uh, again, Kwame Kilpatrick, just Google it and read up. The, the, the corruption, it's, 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 it's unbelievable to me. So he did that. Um, he did something else. I don't know. He's, it just, the whole thing was just such a, such a massive disappointment. And a lot of people were all sitting around here and saying, what in the hell just happened? Now, just because we realize that Donald Trump is not the reincarnation of Constantine here to, here to save us all, and we fully acknowledge and realize and recognize this doesn't mean that we would have preferred to have had Hillary Clinton in 2016. I'll, I'll reiterate what I've said for the past four years. Praise Jesus. Praise Jesus that Hillary Clinton was not and never will be the president of the United States. Uh, oh, yes, absolutely. However, that does not mean that Donald Trump was good, great, or potentially not um, a, a fraud himself who was in on it. Um, I think we're all still trying to come down on what exactly Trump was. Did, did he grow as a person while he had all of that tremendous um, power um, and and the burden of responsibility? Did, did it make him a better man? Let's Let's hope and pray that it did. Another thing that I want to point out to you all is you need to stop and think about the fact this guy all day, every day was on Twitter and it was him. I mean, you could tell that he was the one doing this. The reports were, and I believe this, I don't think that this is, that this is just leftist propaganda. The reports were is that he spent most of his time all day, every day watching cable news and having pissing matches and tweeting about stuff that he saw on cable news. You just have to stop and ask yourself, look at his Twitter feed. Look at the amount of time that he spent doing that. The number of tweets per day, when the tweets were made, and ask yourself, if this guy was legit as, as the chief executive of the United States, how could he possibly, possibly have had the time how could he have had the time to spend doing all that? Don't you think being the president of the United States is like a 14-hour-a-day, every-day kind of a job? No, I think it's more like 19. Yeah, well said. How could he possibly have had the time to be doing all that? The same thing can be said for Obama. It was said that Obama spent all of his time in the, in the office that is directly above the Oval Office, which was basically he had set up as a man cave. And he would go up there all day long with Reggie Love, and it's speculated, let's be perfectly blunt, that they were engaging in sodomy with each other, and that they, he would just sit up there and watch ESPN all day long. Well, I think this is in a similar vein proof that Obama was just a, he was just a puppet front. What, what was Trump? I mean, I, I don't think it's, uh, I don't think it's, it's as simple as Trump is and was a pure puppet front of the left. I obviously think that he was in it for himself and he may still yet be. There's rumblings of him starting both, um, uh, a news service and his own political party. We'll, we'll see how that pans out. Um, and just, you know, the ego of the man. 
certainly he's going to be in it for himself um, to some degree or another. But it's going to be a long time before we're able to figure out, and I suspect that history will debate it for for a very long time to come, what exactly was he about? To what extent was he calling the shots? Um, uh, it's, it's, it's a fascinating question. And I, I just beg you, don't deify the man. Um, don't set yourself up. I, and, and all I'm doing is I'm paraphrasing scripture here. Put not your trust in princes nor the sons of men. Just don't do that, especially now. Um, but like I said, what I, the point I opened up with is that I think people are actually handling it pretty well. Um, but, <laughs> but here we, here we all sit with, um, uh, Biden sitting in the Oval Office. Um, Mark Doherty made a really good post, um, yesterday, day before yesterday, and we'll put it in the show notes. And it was, you know, going through and asking the questions, actually drawing parallels between, um, oh, because Trump came out, the only, the one thing that we have heard from him is that he, oh, he opened and, and released the official, like, seal or trademark of office of the former president, which I think that's a first. I don't think any, any ex-president has ever, um, specifically labeled himself in that way. And so I saw um, that, but I thought he was trolling Biden because Biden opened uh, the whole idea of office of, of the president elect. I don't recall anybody ever having done that before either. Yeah. Um, I don't, I don't think he's trolling. I think that that's, I think he's setting up a thing. The point of Mark Doherty's post was drawing the parallels, which do really jump off the screen at you between what's happened in the U S secular government and Trump and all of that. And the situation in Rome with Pope Benedict and anti-Pope Bergoglio. And I like almost never ever leave comments anywhere. If I have something to say or write, I'll do it in my own space. I don't, uh, I don't lurk in com boxes. And anytime I put anything, any t- on the rare occasions when I do, I put my name to it. I sign it. I, I'm not about, if I have something to say, I'm going to say it um, under my own name. So um, I made the point, you know, Mark's piece is asking, who is Joe Biden? Is he is he the president? Is he the president of the United States? Is Trump the president of the United States? Trump is trying to do this whole president emeritus uh, parallel thing. What's going on here? And the, the comment that I did leave in the com box was, I think you're asking the wrong question with regards to the United States. The question with regards to the United States is not who is the president. The question is much deeper and bigger and more profound than that. The question with the United States is, does the United States still exist? And my position is, no, it does not. The United States does not exist. So whoever's sitting in the Oval Office, I, that's just, it's, it's, it's irrelevant. It's neither here nor there. In, there in been, term, no, go, go ahead. ahead. No, finish your thought. Well, it's neither here nor there in terms of the ontological reality of what's going on. You can call you can call Joe Biden whatever you want, but if if the underlying reality of the constitutional republic of the United States of America does not exist, then whatever you call 
some guy who's claiming to be the chief executive of something, it's it's just not terribly relevant in the big picture. Go ahead. Okay, so two two questions real quick. Um, mm-hmm. I've mentioned this podcast episode multiple times on multiple podcasts. Have you yet listened to episode 45 of MoFax with Adam Curry, no. 45 Savage, where no. he lays out the idea that Donald Trump is playing the heel, and the heel is a term from professional wrestling. Yes. <laughs> and the more you analyze it, and, and Mo lays out the facts, because I'm not a fan of wrestling to the degree, I'm not even knowledgeable about wrestling to the degree that he is, but the more he goes through it, I'm like, dang, he's it matches. And if the shoe fits, I mean, it, yeah, it, it's probably not a mistake. So I'm going to link that in the show notes. And if you haven't listened to it yet, um, you really should Anne, and uh or, or other people well, who haven't listened to it yet it, and those of you who have listened to it know exactly why i'm bringing it up it is and shame on me because i can't remember in 2016 around the time of the election were you my webmaster at that point or did you come on after that 2017 you came on to, okay, so I was, yeah, so I was not dealing with you. And you probably, you probably weren't reading me, you know, like all the time. No, that was during the interregnum. The, yeah, the interregnum, yes. <laughs> the set of a cut. <laughs> anyway, anyway, um, what happened in 2016 leading up to the election between Trump and Hillary is I start posting about Trump and I, and I, um, introduced to people this this term kayfabe k-a-y-f-a-b-e i'm i don't i don't know if other people were talking about it but in you know in my little sphere of influence i kind of started the whole kayfabe thing and i promise you if i'm lying i'm dying oh first of all what is kayfabe kayfabe is the term from all professional wrestling of the fact that professional wrestling is fake it's entertainment it's theater it's also um, the title of episode two, if I'm not mistaken, Kayfabing Ourselves to Death. Yep. Yep. Well, we'll put that in the show notes too. Wouldn't that be interesting to listen to? Um, and so it's kayfabe is the fact that it's all fake and that you have to maintain the appearances, you know, of conflict. And and the thing that's sad about professional wrestling is that um, – there, there are people whose IQs are, are sufficiently low enough still that they think that it's real. Um, and professional wrestling totally realizes that a lot of their audience is low IQ, um, mostly white, um, flyover country people, and they think that it's real. And so the kayfabe is you have to maintain the illusion of all of this. So I introduce this and say this this has the, the feel of kayfabe because, you know, Trump sat, was seated. Excuse me, excuse me, excuse me. I've got it backwards. Bill and Hillary Clinton were seated in the front row where Trump's dead parents would have been seated when he, quote unquote, married Melania. It wasn't, it wasn't his kids who sat in the front row on his side. Bill and Hillary Clinton sat in the front row, and then Trump's kids sat behind, okay? And there's all these pictures of Trump with the, with the Clintons, and everybody's laughing and smiling, and everybody's super tight and friendly and buddy-buddy. 
And I'm and I'm looking at this thing with Hillary in 2016, saying, "What, what in the hell is going on here? Why is this guy gone from being a pro-abort, you know, pretty far left, uh, universal health care? There's all that kind of stuff. How did he go from that?" not too terribly long ago to now being um this 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 republican and and one of the farthest right republican candidates that that's presenting what what is going on here so i that's it it's kayfabe it's is this is this all a setup is this all like professional wrestling now i promise you i had no idea that trump was literally a major character in professional wrestling. Hall of Famer. I'm not watching wrestling during the 2000s. I remember wrestling being on when I was a little kid in the 80s. I remember Hulk Hogan in like 1985. That's Randy Macho Man Savage. That's about the extent. Andre the Giant, come on. Andre the Giant, Andre the Giant, absolutely. Which, and honestly, I know him because of Princess from Bride. Princess Bride, obviously. <laughs> but I, I, I've not seen any professional wrestling. I have no fathom about any of this. So I'm writing, da, 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 and emails start coming in. Like, uh, and you might want to look at this video. And, and, you know, I click on this YouTube video, and it's Donald Trump body slamming Vince McMahon and shaving Vince McMahon's head. And Vince McMahon is, is the billionaire who owns um, the WWE. And his wife is a congressman, congresswoman from Connecticut, if I'm not mistaken. So they're in politics. Trump is literally, literally a wrestling character. And I'm sitting over here talking about, is this kayfabe? Is this, I had no idea. None. And so then, then it just all completely coalesces and is exploding in my mind. And like, what is this? I thought that, that Trump in 2016 was kayfabing that, um, you know, running a presidential campaign is extremely lucrative. A uh, presidential campaign now is a multi-billion dollar enterprise and what he was doing was he was positioning to either buy, take over, or start a competitor to Fox News. And he, I think he was, he was tight with Roger Ailes. Roger Ailes, who was the head of Fox News, has since died. I thought that's what he was doing. I thought that he was playing, that he was taking the fall for Hillary. And that it was all fake and it was all professional wrestling and it was all kayfabe. And that might have been the plan, but Hillary was just such a bad candidate that he failed at losing. That's, That's the other thing. You look back at Hillary and you say to yourself, she she is so awful and so despised by everyone, not just people, not just the plebes and the voters. I think she's despised by the people in Washington. Um, you know, I, I think that the Clintons are just looked at as being the lowest of the lowest of the lowest of the low. And Arkansas she, trailer trash. Arkansas trailer trash. And I think that she was so bad and and had a sense of entitlement and cockiness that they all they just basically didn't even try. And she managed to lose it. And I think it's entirely possible that Trump 
didn't really foresee any of this happening. But then when it did, he was happy to jump on it, thinking that, well, this is now going to turn the Trump brand into, this is going to take this the Trump brand into the stratosphere. Um, and boy, he's, uh, I think he's being taught that, that the powers that be are not going to permit that to happen. Um, we'll see if he's able to either start a cable news thing or start a political party. Um, I think at this point, you know, talking strike while the iron is hot, I, I hope that this doesn't happen because I think a lot of hearts will be broken. But I think that if he did try to start a political party, that he would raise he would raise a couple billion dollars like overnight. I think people people are so disgusted, rightfully so, with the Republican Party that I think again people would just go join Trump's party just just to destroy the Republican Party. Um, and that's that's never a good motivation. You know, destruction of something else is never a good motivation for trying to build something up. Um, that's that's very tricky and it usually doesn't work. Um, all that would do is hand the Democrats all the power they want for the next 12 well, to exactly. 25 years. Yep, it, w- it would split it just even if Trump's party was was considered to be wildly successful even if you're if you're shedding look at all these elections and i i mean look at yes i realize how fake they are but um you know many many elections are within the the swing i mean a 40 a 47 53 kind of an election is like a huge margin of victory so what if you what if you peel all but 10% onto trump's new party and and now it's it's still split. You're you've, you're getting you know tr- Trump's party getting ninety percent of the old share, and um, uh, the Republicans still getting ten percent with with actual with yes with never Trumpers. Um, I where would I be in that? Oh, I I haven't voted in years. I mean, if I've I don't I declared a tax strike um, coming up like nine years ago, it's coming up on 10 years. Anyway, I declared a tax strike, man. I'm not going to vote. I don't, I don't, I don't consider myself to have the right to vote. Um, so, and, and if I consider that the United States doesn't even exist, how hypocritical would it be of me to vote in elections for a Republic, which I think is, um, non-existent and, and fraudulent. No way, man. So I'm, I'm kind of nowhere. I'm just kind of standing on the outside, looking at it and commentating and maybe hopefully, um, as, as we talk and discuss and work through these things and try to process what's going on, hopefully helping people have a little bit more clarity, a little bit more information so that you can figure out what you're going to do and where you, where you stand in all this is that, you know, if Trump tries something, is it worth it to give it, give him a shot and throw your support to it? Hey man, those are, those are decisions to quote, to quote Shao Biden. Hey man, uh, those are, those are decisions that you're going to have have to make for yourself, but we'll, we'll just talk it out here and, and we'll keep talking it out. Cause at this point, that's, that's about all you can do is, and you notice it's what they're trying to keep everybody from doing. They're trying to keep everybody from communicating with each other and, um, you know, getting together, talking. There's there's a theory that one of the reasons that they went after and closed all bars and all, you know, basically all nightlife is is essentially forbidden and illegal is because that's how people get together and talk about these things. Um, all the great plots and revolutions and counter-revolutions 
almost always get started in taverns of some sort. You know, people get together and open some beer and or start to <laughs> open some kegs and, and, and start drinking and start talking about, okay, what are we going to do? What do you think of this guy? What do you what do you think of this? What do you think of that? So I think we're just maintaining a very, a very good and wholesome human tradition and just trying to talk our way through this and try to figure out what exactly is going on and what the path forward is. Yeah, I'm out of cans of sparkling water or else I would have popped one open just now. Mm. But uh, let's see, I've got a I've got a link in my show notes here. Well, on my my written notes here, but uh, Tom Woods on his talk on secession. In terms of what would what would be one possible uh, solution, it's going to seem incongruous to the rest of the notes, but I'm going to put that in there because it's 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 good thought material anyway. Ah, darn it, I had another. What's his thought. thesis? What Texas or? No, just the idea that that uh, secession is a, is a reasonable reply to concentrating too much power in Washington. The idea that the best way to rule a country of 330 million is from one city, with 535 people plus a president. Certainly. I mean, that goes without saying this. And this all goes back to subsidiarity. And it, it, it actually goes back to the founding of the United States in the first place. Which, he, not, which he chronicles. Yeah, it's not supposed to be this thing with this massive federal government. It is a confederation of 50 states. And I just I think most people just do not have any comprehension of that the amount of power that the states are supposed to retain i think is is completely foreign to most people most everything that's going on governmentally is supposed to be handled at the state or local level federal government is for is for big, big picture stuff like waging war. This is subsidiarity. And so the entire American model um, in and of itself is just has been so completely corrupted and inverted and turned backwards and inside out from what even the Freemasons who found it intended it to be that, yeah, but you know, my, my position on secession and all that is, oh, oh, it's going to be so ugly because the strength that the U.S. has had, obviously, is that it goes from sea to shining sea, and you've got you've got the the oceans on either side as this massive wall of defense. Basically, we don't need walls because we got oceans. Um, you need, need a wall on the Mexican border, but you know that could that could have been done and and wasn't was never done. Um, but the notion that yeah, the, and when I wrote it up in that essay, it was what circling back to what we were talking about before. These leftist um, enclaves, the Pacific Coast, obviously, New England, um, and then, you know, down around Houston and all of that, um, Chicago, um, Atlanta. Atlanta, these places will fail. Obviously, I mean, look look at what Newsom has done to California. These uh, look at what the that witch in in Michigan, Michigan is another one. Um, look at look at what they're doing. Uh, they are just they're suicidally insane. Um, it's what we talked about a couple of episodes ago. About these people are so far gone into narcissism that they just want to destroy everything for destruction's sake. Destroy everything because it exists. Because anything that exists is created and anything that's created points to the creator. And they are so insane and satanic and Luciferian that 
they want to destroy everything because, you know, just looking at another person's face is an intolerable reminder to them of the existence of God. Um, So all these leftist enclaves will destroy themselves. They'll be starving. They'll be destitute. There will be refugees flowing. And the the option for the the flyover country um, will be either bail them out or uh, the Chinese will roll in because they'll invite the Chinese in as as peacekeepers and uh, in a certain sense as liberators. I think the they, West Coast will write, will welcome the Chinese as as saviors and peacekeepers and flyover country will not like it. And I don't know if it'll go as far as the movie Wolverine. Wait, was it Wolverine or was it uh, Red Dawn? I don't know. Uh, that, that movie with Charlie Sheen and his little brother Emilio Estevez. Uh, in the movie, it was the Cubans and the Russians coming in, but I think they did a remake recently where it was the Chinese. But anyway, the the point is that I, I think the, the the heartland of America would probably resist the Chinese coming in because we've got the natural resources to to sustain ourselves. But my question to you is: after the past year, where there has been functionally, effectively zero resistance to the to the COVID push. Uh, the totalitarian overthrow by the COVID political religious system. There's been no resistance to that, nothing meaningful. Why do you imagine that American civilians would, in the face of the People's Liberation Army, marching in, rolling in in tanks, how do you imagine that if, if American civilians today can't even stand up to the voices on the television telling them that they have to lock themselves in their home and and destroy their own businesses. Why do you think they're going to actually stand and fight the People's Liberation Army if and when it rolls in? I don't think they will. I think it'll be exactly the same effeminate, whining BS of people saying there's nothing we can do. There's nothing we can do. I was going to say irrational, wishful thinking. Mm. Yep. And in I... terms of and in terms of cementing in the the Democrat control of the country, I can see where the rigged elections are, are um, imbalanced uh, state of things. If Trump launches his Patriot Party or Orange Party or whatever he ends up calling it, mm-hmm. the reddest of the red states. I think you could probably flip a coin and some of them really would, well, either really would or um, Dominion voting would make sure it goes where where half of those deep red states would go Republican and another portion of them would go uh, Orange Party. And mm-hmm. it means that states like Texas and Florida and some other, yep. and Ohio specifically, yeah. Pennsylvania forever. Um, yep. These, these states where the Republicans and Democrats have, have kind of traded off and on over, over years, the big, heavy populist states like that will go solidly blue. And yep. who cares if the Trump's party is carrying four states this year and seven states the next year and the Republicans are, are, are the second party because it doesn't matter. Yep. The People's, Republic, People's Democratic Party will be the one really in charge. That's right. It'll be, it's just Ross Perot. 
it'll just be but more uh, so because Ross more Perot, so yeah all Ross Perot did was was siphon enough votes off that the Republicans didn't carry a couple of states right as opposed to actually winning states right right because he only they, pulled what did he pull about ten percent uh, the closest the closest he got to winning a state was Utah and it's because the, the Democrats only get like 30% of the vote in Utah or maybe mm-hmm. less. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to it, it was actually competitive where Ross Perot's vote and George W. Bush's or George H. W. Bush's votes were, were ahead of Clinton's and obviously Bush won that, but it wasn't by much. Right. Right. But imagine, then- a, imagine a scenario in 2024 or 2022 going into 2024 where Trump's party is actually winning uh, U.S. House seats, U.S. Senate seats, mm-hmm. maybe winning some governorships. It's it's more powerful than even like the Reform Party had, where I guess right. uh, Jesse Ventura up in yeah. up in Minnesota. Um, did he run as a reform, or did he switch to reform after he got elected? I don't remember. But the point is that he was like the one person from that Ross Perot party who actually got elected, as mm-hmm. as I recall. What yep. if a whole bunch of people get elected? And when I say a whole bunch, I'm like saying 20 or 30, like a, yep. f- a few house people, you know, a, a Tulsi Gabbard type here and there. Well, not, not that Tulsi would run a, a, under Trump, but um, if, if there is the modicum of success or the appearance of some success, they won't quit. And it'll be mm-hmm. this eternal infighting. And the winner, of course, is the people's democratic party. Of course, of course. And it's, it, the conversation really at the end of the day, I think is moot for the reasons that we, that we talked about before. I don't think, I don't think that the United States even exists. And also remember the Barnhart axiom, which is anyone who is holding or seeking to hold high level national office is by definition, um, psychologically and or morally unfit to hold high office because of the corruption. I mean, ask yourself the question, would you want to run for Congress and go to Washington, D.C.? Well, of course not. I hear the benefits are good. (laughs) Whatever. No way. No, nobody who is morally sane wants anything to do with any of that. So, you know, and also let's talk about the fact that, yes, this election that just happened, such as it was, Absolutely, one hundred percent rigged, stolen. Trump got way more, way more votes than Biden, and it's it's just obvious. One of the things that's really funny is, you know, as soon as um, Biden was sworn in or usurped or whatever you want to call it, the White House YouTube channel was immediately reset. Obviously. And so now you can go, just go to YouTube and type in the White House and the channel will come right up. Go down the list and there's, you know, at this point, there's probably only 30 videos that have been uploaded. Daily Pressers, Biden, you know, uh, allegedly signing things that he has no idea what he's signing and, you know, things like that. Little video clips. There's a meme going around that, that, well, it's combined with the fact that he apparently said while signing something, I don't even know what I'm signing, but there's a meme going around that one of the things he was signing was a do not resuscitate order for himself. 
<laughs> yeah, and, the, and an ominous voice is off camera, and you can hear them saying, just sign it. Um, it's it's slightly creepy. But anyway, you go and you look at, look at these videos on YouTube, and you know on YouTube they have the little thumb up, thumb down, and you can click on, you know, either thumb up or thumb down. Every single video on the White House channel is running 10 to 1 thumbs down. I did say something about that. And, and I remember now why I wrote down the Tom Woods uh, secession talk. And it's because you talked about the, the United States effectively not existing anymore or ceasing to exist. Mm -hmm. And I know we've talked about this in the past. You traced it to um, MF Global and, and um, Biden, who's questionably um, not eligible to be president, being elected. Obama. Obama. What did I say? Biden. Oh. No, yeah, I, I think I, I was, history I was, will say was, that it's Obama. I was fighting not saying O'Biden, but O'Biden. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I didn't realize in forcing myself not to say that I said the wrong name. Okay, whatever, the Hawaiian-ish guy. Um, yeah. And I, I, I pushed back and said, well, what about 2001 and the Patriot Act? But there were other people who say, well, what about when Kennedy got killed? And then there yeah. are other constitutionally adept people who say, what about when Abraham Lincoln suspended rid of habeas corpus yep. and, and crushed the whole notion of whether states even have the right to secede when the, the we talk about in, in, in the Constitution, the, the, the rule of subsidiarity, if it wasn't there already by reading the Constitution, the Tenth Amendment lays it out pretty clearly, is that all powers not explicitly given to the federal government are reserved to the states. Yep. And in the constitutional or in, in the language of the day of, 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 um, of political writers, the notion of a state was on par with nation states, that the, the several states, Texas, Alabama, whatever, they all, well, Texas wasn't there at the beginning. So let's just talk about the original 13, Virginia, mm -hmm. New York, Delaware, whatever. They were on par with France, the, uh, England, yep. Spain, with the exception of negotiating trade deals, um, dealing with interstate commerce among themselves. They were mm -hmm. states, like as in nation states, nation except they were states, in this compact, yeah. except that that whole notion got crushed in the Civil War. Mm -hmm. Yep. That's yeah, why so, that's why I wrote down the Tom Woods link about secession because he goes back and, and 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 traces the whole lineage of this and says why is this such a verboten topic anyway. Well, I mean, and it, here's another parallel with the church because this is paralleling the whole argument of saying, well, it was it was the Patriot Act, well, it was Kennedy's assassination, well, it was the Civil War. I mean, this is kind of the same um, game that you get into with 1958 set of Acantus. You know, they start down, well, it was it was the death of Pius XII, and then pretty soon someone pipes up and says, well, you know. Um, Vatican one dot, dot, dot. And then you've got the old castle. I mean, and you can just keep playing that game and just keep going back and back and back and back. Um, Ultimately, I think the correct answer to that is you go all the way back to the garden and the answer is thanks, Adam. Yep, exactly. Exactly. And so, um, you, you look at the situation now with who's the president Trump, who's the Pope. Um, I think, I think that the collapse is, is much more recent, obviously. Um, I think in terms of the United States, I, I say um, January 20th, 2009, with the usurpation by Obama. Um, and I think, so, you know, that's the window that we're looking at, relatively recent. 
And um, with the church, it's the same thing. Not a set of Acandus. The Holy Father, Pope Benedict, is still alive. Um, the problem arose with the invalid resignation, putative resignation, and the usurpation by anti-Pope Bergoglio. Again, recent. You know, we're, we're coming right up now on eight years ago that that happened. So these things are relatively recent, and I don't think it's wise to get into these games of saying the United States of America hasn't existed since 1861 or whatever, just as I don't think it's, it's um, true. I don't think it's true, first of all, and I don't think it's, it's useful to, say, to make that argument with regards to the United States. And of course, I don't, I don't think that um, the, the sea is vacant. I, un, I think, unfortunately, John the 23rd, Paul the 6th, oh, I think that they were valid um, vicars of Christ all the way through, and, and Pope Benedict is the vicar of Christ right now. So it doesn't do any good, and it's not true to start playing these games. Well, we don't have a pope, and we haven't had a pope since 1958. Well, we haven't had a pope since 1870. Well, we haven't had a pope since... Whatever. And I mean, there are people who just keep going back and back and back and back. And it's it it's uh, it's it's false and it's not helpful. So I understand what you're saying. But mm -hmm. in, in terms of when you when you look at the, do the founding documents and talking about the United States, that is mm -hmm. and saying, you know, when did the United States cease to exist as it was defined in, in the Constitution? Right. right. You'd be you could make a very strong case that the Civil War definitely was a breaking point or a redefinition of what the United States is. Yes, and we passed a bunch of amendments afterwards, like the Thirteenth and Fourteenth Amendments. You know, now that we outlawed slavery, and if that wasn't enough, another thing that kind of came into mind as you were talking about this, the parallels between what was happening in the world, the Church, and the United States in the '60s. At the same time that the church was making its pivot with Vatican II, we had another pivot here in the United States with the assassination of Kennedy, mm -hmm. and Johnson went a very different direction. It wasn't what was intended previously. It wasn't in line with what you know the, with with what Kennedy was was intending to do. And talking mm -hmm. about stolen elections, Kennedy wasn't validly elected either. That was a stolen That's election. Right. It should have been Richard Milhouse Nixon. Not Nixon that Nixon won. Yep. That would have been a not that that would have been a, pick, a, a great boon for the United States. I don't know. I mean, I, I never met the it, guy. It would have spared, it would have spared um, Johnson's great society. So that wouldn't have happened. Um, Vietnam probably still would have happened. I suspect. The point I was going to get at is, do you think there was any coincidence that the trajectory change here in the United States and the trajectory change in Rome happened at the same time. I think, no, no. No, I think no, the no. punishment was coming due, and I've quoted the, without saying who said it, uh, a, a line from a priest multiple times that, you know, if, if, if America isn't chastised soon, then Sodom and Gomorrah are going to be owed an apology. Yep. Oh, yep. Hello, Biden. Yep. Um, it's, it's just a matter of time before he does a gay faux wedding in the white house he did he did two of them in the vice presidential mansion he's going to do it he will do a gay wedding in the white house burn it down burn it down well i'm, I'm sure he'll do a gay renewal of vows with uh, barry and michael barry and michael 
Oh, <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> you, you are on the, uh, you, you like to make the jokes about her being a tranny. Alas, no, I think I'm not she's- the, I'm not the one who makes the jokes, it's Barbara Walters. <laughs> it's, uh, I think she's just a tragically ugly woman, unfortunately for her, but yeah. Oh, wait, is it Barbara Walters or am I mistaking it with somebody else? Walters. No, there was there was somebody who who was who was interviewed uh, as they were walking across the street saying, "Do you think that the America will ever have a gay president?" And it's like we already do. It's it's Barack. Come on, Michelle's a tranny. I never saw that. You sure uh, they just didn't say we that they? I remember them saying Obama was the first gay president as as a as a rhetorical flourish because didn't they they lived no, it was the Joan White Rivers. House. It was Joan Rivers. Yeah, that's not Barbara Walters. Yes. Okay, I, I some old woman. I mean, I, is, is somebody somebody before my time. <laughs> some heavily plastic surgery old woman. Yes, yes. <laughs> she she's a comedian, so she was making a joke, but uh, yeah. I don't think so. And I will put, I will put the link in in the show notes. And she okay. died very shortly after. Yeah, she went in to have a another plastic surgery procedure, and oopsie doopsie little too much a uh, little too much anesthesia and she never woke up hmm indeed mm-hmm. well there i have in my show notes that you have an entire sermon on option spreads but we're already in an hour 44 no nah. no nah, nah, i think we'll we'll save that for another day <laughs> oh, it it would have gone great with the whole robin hood business and and i wanted to make the point also earlier talking about all the shenanigans on wall street how how appropriate or are they just sticking in our noses that the whole stock gaming thing that happened this week involved mm-hmm. a stock called GameStock and a corporation or a trading platform called Robinhood? GameStop, Robinhood. Yeah. Well, as um, who was it? Nurse Claire sent me a message and, and said, you know, that the name Robinhood in and of itself is um, just ever so slightly problem problematic and i'm like right preach on girl um but yeah so uh advi- people asking me advice what what should i do with all of my 401k money well you know d- to a large extent it's too late um you should have been prepping and preparing um years and years and years ago. Sorry. I mean, I don't, I don't mean to be flippant and dismissive, but it's really true to a large extent. If you don't, if you don't have your ducks in a row now, it's going to be really difficult, but I will still say what I've been saying for the last, um, for the last 10 years. And that's just basically get out, 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 get out. And now you see why I'm saying that. Um, you're going to wake up one day and you, you know, you think you've got hundreds and hundreds and maybe seven figures in a, in a, in your 401k account, you're gonna wake up one morning and it's just going to be gone. Like that, like the little South Park clip where the little boy goes into the, into the bank and sits down and gives, gives the, um, gives the banker whatever he has a hundred dollar bill or whatever. And the banker says, very good. Opening the account, type, 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 da, 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 da. And it's gone. And the kid says, what are you talking about? And he says, it's gone. <laughs> it's, it's going to be like that. If you can get out, um, it depends on your circumstance. If you have a mortgage, pay it off. Um, if you are in a situation where maybe you want to get out of real estate and buy an RV or something like that, I wouldn't, if that's your situation and you have the ability 
and you're willing to live in a in an RV or a uh, or a motor coach, knock yourself Although out. All of the sterilized millennials are buying up all the RVs because it's apparently trendy to have a van down by the river. You started the trend, Anne. I started the trend. Well, you know how it is. I'm a I'm a leader. Um, so yeah. Um, but in terms of well, what am I going to do for my retirement? Oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah, I'm, it's 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 not going to be pretty, folks. It's not going to be pretty. I don't know what to tell you. If you haven't if you haven't prepositioned at this point, you, my prayers are with you. Best of luck. Yeah. So things are about to go sideways, and um, one of the topics that we talked about, I think we talked about it in the last podcast as well, was uh, technology and uh, communication. And I want to make this pivot real quick before we go mm. into the wrap up. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm. <laughs> I did get some emails about Telegram, and I, I got to make an apology about talking about emails. Um, we talked about migrating you from Gmail to Fastmail, and I didn't yes. realize it till this morning when somebody messaged me saying, hey, what did you think of the email I sent to podcast at barnhart.biz? I'm like, what email? And they sent me the subject line and even what was in it. I was like, I don't have any recollection of it. I was like, oh, crud. Hold on a second. Um, and and I still have the I still I still have the credentials for your Fastmail account, and and which reminds me, you need to change your password so idiots like me or somebody who 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 puts a gun to my head and says give me his password can't get logged into your account. But I, I logged in only to check to see did I actually set up the the forwarding rule correctly, and I went to podcast uh, at and Barnhart at Biz is like no it's just going to you and it's like oh crud I screwed that up so I added myself on and logged out and messaged you saying exactly what I did and I wasn't looking at anything else so. Yes. Everybody who sent email since the last podcast when we talked about migrating in to Fastmail, if you sent it to podcast at barnhart.biz and you hoped that I was going to say something or it was meant for me, I didn't see it. I'm sorry. Uh, and the only reason I knew about that is because somebody messaged me through another channel. So talking about other communication channels, I had said some things about Telegram uh, that I, I actually, I don't even remember what I said, just that I, w- I had no interest in being involved with it and I wasn't going to. I wouldn't recommend it. Mm-hmm. And and um, so a few people contacted me about that. And what it boils down to is, you know, comparing Telegram to Signal, those are the roughly equivalent, more or less. These are the platforms to which people are going because they're getting off of WhatsApp and Facebook, which awesome. Three thumbs up if I had three thumbs, but I'll give you two. Um, the Get off of Facebook and all of its properties. Great idea. Um the other the other one was people were getting booted off of Parler and other stuff. Yes, Telegram and, and Signal, either one. Either one is better than, than being on these compromised, weird platforms. Mm-hmm. But in terms of why would I not pick Telegram, and it comes down to one simple situation. When I loaded Telegram on my Android test uh, handset here, it said, you must give access to your contacts in order for Telegram to even finish loading. And I'm like, no, go away. That's, mm-hmm. I can't. I can't recommend that. If if it's something where I mean, even on that on that handset, there were no contacts on the phone, and I still said no. And and the whole point is, would I recommend this to somebody else? Signal you can install. It will ask for access to your contacts, but you do not have to give it access to your contacts. You can still, you know, make contact with people out in the world. So here's my phone number for uh, for Signal. Um, add me to your, to your list of contacts and we'll go from there but you do you can operate signal independent from the contacts on your phone so doing more 
investigation in Telegram, I went ahead and set it up on this Android test phone that has no contacts and and I can set up a public channel, which I'm playing with at the moment. It's uh, t.me slash supernerdmedia, which is kind of interesting in a sense. It's kind of almost like a, 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 um, a Twitter replacement. It's an open channel. It's not encrypted, so anybody can follow it. And a couple of people already are because I tweeted about it. And it, it, it seems... And by the ver- way, I have nothing to do with that. And I'm not in there and I don't see it. And I'm not lurking or participating in any way. In no, and is not involved in any of this stuff, but I'll I'd actually save that for when I get to talk about signal. But uh, no, so, so I, I, I set up the telegram account, but I have no contacts on my phone. So I, I messaged somebody else who I know is on, on, on uh, telegram and, and said, here's the phone number I'm using on telegram. Can you actually message me? And they said, no, you're not in my contacts. Should I add you? I was like, no, <laughs> I'm just curious if you can send a message to me knowing what my phone number is, but if I'm not in your, your contacts. So for the people who are saying, why would I be hating on telegram? I'm, I'm not really hating for my purposes. I don't want to give these applications access to my contacts if I don't have to. Yep. And, and in the case of telegram, it doesn't operate unless you give it access to your contacts. Now, Deal Signal, yeah. yeah, so for Signal, I did set up another also on that same Android test phone with the same, it's a Google Voice number connected to, to uh, Super Nerd Media. I think it's 302 MIT Nerd is, is, is the phone number. But um, I set up a Signal account on that and created what I call the Barnhart Random Romper Room channel or whatever and posted the link to that on Twitter because on, on Signal, you you well okay on telegram one of the cool features i guess is you can have these public channels where up to two hundred thousand people can subscribe okay if you're into that on on signal i think it's 256 or something like that but it's all fully encrypted as opposed to telegrams wide open non-encrypted and i was just curious well how does this work will people actually uh join uh what kind of what kind of uh chatter will happen and you know it's it's the it's the uh, Star Wars cantina of people who who uh, listen to the to the Barnhart podcast. There there's some fun conversation, there's some weird conversation, and there's some interesting conversation. Uh, it, it's I think it's like sixteen or maybe it's thirty. I forget. I didn't count uh, last time I was in there. All I know is that it's a it's a account I check maybe once a day or every other day, and there's so much conversation happening at the moment I can't keep track of it. Uh, so the folks who join that on Signal, <laughs> not paying attention to it to be honest. So have fun, I guess. But uh, it's just and ex- remember the person who the position of the person who it's theoretically named after is um, really encouraging people to just stop doing social media type things and don't let it turn into some sort of a. a, a Oxycontin to heroin as uh, to Twitter, you know, I mean, if you're praise God, if you've gotten off of Twitter and you're reclaiming your life, don't go jumping back into some other form of addiction. Um, so, well, to that point, Telegram and its public channels is very much like social media, although mm-hmm. it is one way. Um, as far as I can tell, uh, people cannot reply on, on those public channels, whereas Signal, it is a it's an encrypted message channel so it, it's it's limited to the number of people who can join and it's it's a small community uh mm-hmm. and i say community it's it's a couple of hundred people at most i don't even know what the limit on it is i just know that once you get more than 15 people on a channel it becomes the signal to noise ratio drops 
so bad it's it you really can't use it at that point anyway that's just an experiment Uh, i also set up another experiment with matrix which is another chat protocol based on the uh, ratchet protocol that's behind uh, signal Um, the big difference is signal is a centralized system so if signal got compromised or got knocked out like it was on um, january 15th it was down for 24 hours because there's a single point of failure there with the, with the signal servers. Matrix, on the other hand, is federated, so you can have servers all over the place. I set up some some example or some test stuff there. Um, there's and the point of doing all this is uh, kind of in the spirit of what uh, Father Z is talking about with his uh, Catholic Signal Corps. Um, one of the things I've been looking at is how will the church communicate, the underground church communicate when we are driven underground, mm-hmm. and I don't know that there's going to be a way that is really going to work that you can advertise ahead of time. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> because the only thing av- I can think of is ham radio. And, no, um, because that's that's known and and that cannot be encrypted. So it, it's you know if you're sending encrypted communication on ham radio frequencies, that's like the criminal who who chemically burns his fingerprints off. You're standing out. You're you're a party of one at that point. Mm-hmm. You, and and it's really easy to do radio direction finding on, on, on radio transmissions. So if you are, you know, the new SP3RN who's trying to um, send out the Catholic communication and coordination, you're going to be located and thrown in, in Gitmo really quick. Yeah. So it's, it's all these other different channels and how would you communicate? I don't have the first clue how this is going to work. I, I can I can wire up things on AWS in normal times. But how things are going to work when we're all hunted just simply because we're Catholic, I have no mm-hmm. idea. I'm experimenting with all this stuff, and I'm trying to learn as much as I can. And I'm on, like I said, I've got a slight presence on Telegram. I'm on Signal. I'm on Matrix. I'm on Wire. I'm on email. I really don't know what the real answer is going forward. But I, I just wanted to make this tangent into all the different communication stuff. I am looking into it. I'm not, I'm not bagging on Telegram, per se. If you don't have a problem with sharing your contact list with whoever's running telegram. And I don't know that that's necessarily, I don't know if those people can actually see who your, who your contacts are. Um, I just watched a, a video of the guy who is the, essentially the principal creator of signal talking about how the encryption mechanisms around it. And, and uh, when you, if you join signal and you give it access to your contacts, the people running signal can't see who your contacts are. I'm not a sufficient mathematician. Or to, uh, so they say. Or so they say, well, yes. And the guy so the say. guy in question, Moxie Marlin Spike, has had a long history with military intelligence and, and uh, Northern yeah. Virginia companies. Maybe mm-hmm. he's telling the absolute mm-hmm. truth. Or maybe it's not the truth. I don't know. I'm, I do not have sufficient knowledge in mathematics and um, cryptography to know whether or not he's telling the truth. If you are one of those people who is sufficiently skilled in mathematics and code, Signal's open source. You can go look at the code and see whether or not he's blowing hot air uh, or whether he's telling yeah. the truth. But he seems to it seems to be, based on what they're talking about, um, that they've built this in a way that uh, the, the, the discovery mechanism, if you're on Signal, you have discovered in the last month, you're getting a lot of notifications of somebody in your address book just joined Signal. Okay, does the Signal system know who you are and can they see all this? Or when they join... 
is it doing an algorithmic search across all of their contacts and saying, oh, yes, one of these numbers is a signal person and sends a, pushes a message? And can the signal service not actually see that? I don't know the answer to that. Uh, I'm you keep calling me a super nerd, but I'm not that level of crypto, I'm not a cryptography, crypto, no. cryptography nerd, so I can't answer all that. I'm just your second DV your your second deviation. You're not third standard deviation. Okay, gotcha. <laughs> All right, that's cool. That's cool. You know. Anyway, um, yeah. Long long story about um, I'm 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 looking at all these different communication protocols, and honestly, I like Wire the best at this point, and uh, Signal is still what I use a lot uh, for replacement for text messaging. And in terms of replacement for text messaging, it's a great op. It, it's it's a great choice. Is it the the best choice? I don't know. Maybe maybe writing I, letters in cursive and sending them through the postal service with a stamp. Yeah, it's it's all going to be moot when the when the internet gets shut off. And in terms of the church, I think a lot of people are going to end up in the situation that what they have is their ten fingers, and you can pray the rosary on your ten fingers. And that's what the practice of Catholicism is going to be for a non-trivial number of people for a non-trivial length of time. And so. I, I, keep, I keep wanting to end the podcast on an upper note. And even though this sounds like this, this might sound like a downer. I mean, we're coming into a situation in a time where we might get to be great saints and great martyrs, which mm-hmm. sounds like pain and punishment and downers, but no, actually the martyrs were joyful. I mean, read the story of St. Um, St. Lawrence. He, he was praising God and was joyful and cracking jokes. It's like, Hey, I'm done on this side. Flip me over. And he was so joyous yep. because he, he, he understood supernaturally what was happening at this point in time. He was being physically cleansed uh, of any attachments to anything material, including himself mm-hmm. that he was going to have. It was a one way straight ticket. No stops. Don't, don't, don't pass go just straight to heaven. As soon as you uh, give up the ghost. That's right. I mean, the, the non joke joke that I make quite a lot is that if I am not martyred and I mean, not just, not just murdered, I mean, killed for the faith. If I am not killed for the faith, I expect to be in purgatory until the heat death of the universe. So, yeah, if it, if I end up getting marched up some gallows um, onto some gibbet or something, and someone says to me, "Renounce Christ, put on put on this mask, et cetera, et cetera, whatever it is," or we are going to kill you now, then. Um, yeah, I'm 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 going to be pleased. <laughs> I'm going to be very pleased. <laughs> and I think in uh the divine commerce as it is as it is sometimes referred to in the liturgy, um I think that would be very um very typical of of the divine providence and how he organizes things is that, you know, I'm going to by the wretchedness of my own sins, plus the fact that I've been um, for quite some time now um, asking our Lord to give me any temporal punishment due to any priest who mistakenly, erroneously um, commemorates the anti-pope during the mass. And now also, you know, asking when I see things like priests wearing masks and, and um, all these sorts of, of basically blasphemies and, and, and sacrilegious you know, disgustingness. And and I'm asking our Lord, okay, if it'll help give me the temporal punishment for that too, because they, they think that they're, that they have to do that. And they're convinced that that's the right thing to do. Um, give me the temporal punishment for it. Oh, heat death of the universe, heat death of the universe at this point. So yeah, martyrdom, 
would be wonderful. Now it's, 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 it's tricky because you can't like be going out and being um, stupid and gunning for it. You know, um, if you're gunning for it, you can actually cancel it, cancel the whole thing because at that point it becomes a species of almost committing suicide and you can't do that. But if it happens, if it happens organically and if it happens legit to me, oh, when the time comes, I'm like, okay, all right, I am going to see the beatific vision before the heat death of the universe. So yeah, not, not a problem. Well, it's like, it's like I've said, when, when, uh, when they come to get me, I hope it's because I'm a Catholic and because I'm, I'm, I'm talking about the Catholic faith and not because I'm a smarky, a snarky smart ass on Twitter yeah, and I'm just exactly. a thorn in their side because the latter is not what martyrs are made of. So yeah, exactly. I think we've beaten this topic and the uh, derivatives of it to death about, uh, encrypted and non-encrypted communications uh so let's go into the wrap up the email address speaking about communications the email address for the podcast where you can send feedback comments suggestions or good news items for wrapping up the podcast is barn or the it's podcast at barnhart.biz and now those emails are going to both Anne and me so going forward i will get those as well and if you are so inclined there's also a email address supernerdmediaprotonmail.com which is super highly encrypted and if you know about proton mail then you already know and if you don't then don't worry about it podcast at barnhart.biz mm-hmm. and expresses her profound gratitude to all of her ben- benefactors at least one mass every single day plus one traditional catholic latin requiem mass for everybody who died the previous week please pray for the priests you know we're under attack just for being normal sane people Priests mm-hmm. are under more attack. Uh, you probably have heard about Father Z. Um, <laughs> uh, was he uninvited from his from his diocese in, in Madison? He was he was ejected. He was ejected. He he has moved on. Yes, priests are under attack, um, and and that that's no joke because we need them a lot more than they need us. And without them, we cannot. <laughs> well, without them, our chances of getting to heaven are dramatically reduced, uh, almost to zero. <laughs> But talk about a short sell. I don't want to try to face my judgment without a priest first. Yeah. Uh, so please pray for the priest. Uh, the Barnhart Podcast is a production of Super Nerd Media. If you found something of value in this or in previous episodes and would like to return some value, please visit supernerdmedia.com to learn more. And I want to thank a few donors since the last podcast uh, via the Postal Service. Mark, Harry, Ron, Michael, and Stephen. And Harry, no apologies needed. Um, and via the oh, internet. I thought you said Harry Ron, like a guy named Ron who is Harry. I have no idea. He didn't tell me that. <laughs> no, it's Harry, comma, Mark, comma, Ron. Harry, comma, Ron, <laughs> comma. Yes, sorry. And Harry, no apologies needed, and he knows what I mean by that. Uh, and via the internet, Jeffrey, Franklin, Peggy, Bart, and Susan, and uh, still nobody has donated Bitcoin or GameStop. Stop. Or GameStop stock. <laughs> not that I recommend. <laughs> not that I recommend it, but you know that's yeah. always. Please don't. No. <laughs> no I don't. In fact, I think I should probably take the Bitcoin link off of there because there's yeah. no point in it at this point. Yeah. And I will let you wrap up with Matthew seventeen twenty. Yep, our fourfold intention: pray every day, fast twice a week if you can, that uh, Bergoglio be publicly recognized and removed as anti-pope, and that the whole thing be nullified. That Pope Benedict Ratzinger be publicly recognized as having been the one and only living vicar of Christ since April of 2005. That Bergoglio repent, revert to Catholicism, die in a state of grace in the fullness of time, and someday achieve the beatific vision. And that Pope Benedict Ratzinger repent of anything he might need 
to repent of, die in a state of grace in the fullness of time, and someday achieve the beatific vision. Nothing less will do. Our Lady, endure of knots, pray for us. Amen. And before it gets too much later and into the next day, and I start tripping on my tongue multiple times, until next time, I am Super Nerd. And I'm Anne. Thanks, guys. God bless. Yeah, uh, well, no, no. <laughs>